Hello, and welcome to Dragons Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. On this week's episode, we have our small game special. And as always, Greg, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really, really well. This is our first episode in December, kicking off our month of specials. We're going to be talking about small games, not only what those games are, but sort of how they work, what makes them different from big box games, both in terms of mechanics and in terms of, you know, design. And it should be a lot of fun. I know you have a pretty comprehensive library of small games, which should come as no surprise to anyone who knows that you have a pretty comprehensive library of games. I think last count you said was 34? I think based on a recount in my head, I got up to, I think, around 40. Oh, yeah. No. You know, so, what's six games here, six games there? You know, it's it's pretty fluctuating, you know, depending on the box size. I think I may have counted Machikoro one time because I keep it in a small box, but then right. not counted it the second right. time, and there are a few other things. So let's talk about what defines a small game. Surprisingly, it's very arbitrary. Right. Like you mentioned, some games you happen to keep in a small box, some games you transfer to a bigger box. So there's a little bit of arbitrariness and a little bit Mm -hmm. of kind of, well, what is really the heart of a small box game? Yeah. We went with pretty much the box size of the Tiny Epic series. Anything that size or smaller, we consider those small box games. So anything a little bit larger than that, for the most part, we lumped in with the other games. Because one of the biggest things about small games is just how portable they are. Right. So you want to bring these games from point A to point B and you get a good gaming experience through that. So the box size really does matter in that way. Even if it doesn't mean that every small box game is the same kind of game or the same genre or even the same types of mechanics, it really, that's what defines a small box game. Right. And I'm someone who likes to travel fairly light. If I can get away with it, I'll mm-hmm. bring just my backpack, which means, you know, I've got a couple days worth of clothes in there and space is really at a premium. So if I want to bring a game, I'm looking for one of those small box games like Tides of Time, Arboretum, something that fits in one of those smaller outside pockets, and I can just grab it and get out the door. Exactly. So that being said, there are a few things that small box games really have that will define them a little bit further and also some trends that we've noticed in the small box games Mm -hmm. and one of them being just the types of things that you see in the box for the most part the small box games are card games there are a lot of them that have just cards and they're really small they are about the size of a deck of cards or a little bit bigger but really simple really small everything the rules and all that fit into a really tiny box and cards are the best way of doing that Right. And, you know, given that one of the oldest games that a lot of people were probably introduced to is just, you know, poker, you carry around a deck of 52 cards. And so a lot of game designers, I think, have chosen to emulate that model because it is so compact. You can print cards to say any number of different things. You can have cards for the rules. You can have cards for, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's a very versatile format and it allows you to conserve space without Mm -hmm. sacrificing any playability or any depth really exactly and cards themselves are also really cheap which is nice because you can produce a small box game like that really inexpensively and then sell it pretty inexpensively Mm -hmm. so a lot of these games do have very low price tags not all of them but a lot of them do and so that also helps a bit because that way 
you know, if you're looking for a game that is small, portable, and just quick to play, or just something, a small gift for someone, stocking stuffer, anything like this, a small box game is usually a really good choice. Mm -hmm. They're quick. And one of the things that I love about them is the value. You know, like you mentioned, they tend to be cheap just because there's not a lot of overhead in the components. You know, it's just cardboard and then thicker cardboard for the box. Mm -hmm. So they're they're very cheap and the value that you get, especially if you can find the right ones, some of the, you know, really great small box games that we've talked about in the past, it can really be a strong, valuable purchase that goes a long way. Exactly. There are some things that we have noticed about small box games in terms of the mechanics that they use. Mm -hmm. So one of the major things is that there are a lot of card drafting small box games. So that's something like Heat, for example, is one. Tides of Time or Tides of Madness. A lot of these games use that mechanic because it doesn't require much space on the table. And all you do is, is pass from hand to hand and uh, before you play the cards. And so I think that that really adds to another thing with the portability and the travel with the, with the uh, games where you don't need a big gaming table or anything like that for it. Mm -hmm. And conversely, too, even if you don't have cards as your chosen interface, one of the other really popular ways to get around the space constraints is using dice. Mm -hmm. You see that in things like Bang the Dice Game, Catan the Dice Game, all sorts of games like that. Um, you still have dice drafting mechanics. Thieves Market is a perfect example of this. You're going to roll dice rather than drawing cards, but the, the fundamental mechanic at the core of it is drafting a series of dice. So it's just kind of a, a really efficient way to form the core of the game, as opposed to, say, something like Five Tribes or Scoville, something that requires movement, obviously is going to be off the table for a lot of small box games. So switching to a drafting mechanic is a good way to keep the, uh, keep the game centered. Exactly. Plus... Most small box games don't really have a board. So many of the ones that we'll talk about, there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, there is no board that you set up in the middle of the table because that takes up space. So most of the games don't really want to use that space and in the boxes themselves. Yeah, and going along with that, in terms of just cutting down the excess, you don't see very many small box games that have those sorts of extraneous pieces that we've talked about with a game. Uh, I know we mentioned it when we talked about Betrayal at the House on the Hill, where you have, you know, stacks and stacks of die-cut cardboard with tokens for everything from secret wall to secret passage to secret stairway. That's a luxury that big box games are much more able to afford. So you don't have a lot of that excess with a small box game. They're very trim. They're very to the point. Yes, and a lot of them use one component for multiple purposes. So a card could actually have two or three different uses within a game, depending on where you get it, whether it's placed in the board, whether it's in your hand. And there are a few games that use that kind of mechanic, that multiple reuses for any single card. So that's sort of a look at what, you know, what a small box game is, some of the defining characteristics, some of the constraints, and some of the creative solutions that go along with those constraints. But now let's take a look at you know, what are some examples of small box games, and why would you want to play them? What's the, what's the range? Yeah, exactly. Let's go ahead and take a look. So first of all, we have a lot of games that are the small ones, small boxes, are actually pretty light. As you would expect, actually. So one of the ones that we wanted to mention was Bang the Dice Game. So the dice version of Bang 
even smaller than the actual Bang game itself, which can be in a larger package. This one is a very small box. You've got uh, five dice, a few cards, and some tokens, and that's it. It's a really cool version of, of Bang itself. You roll the dice really quick. You shoot more people than you do in the regular game because you're not as dependent on the actual cards that you're drawing. And so it's very exciting, very quick, and very fun. Yeah. A very small package. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's a successful conversion to, you know, a different, even smaller format. And there's some there's some play differences that go along with it. I feel like it encourages faster play mm-hmm. just because, you know, you've got the dice and you're gonna have to use the dice regardless of whether you want to or not. It's not like in, in Bang where, you know, you're gonna you're gonna hoard beer for when somebody targets you, you're gonna hoard Gatling or bangs for whenever you want to, you know, make mm-hmm. eye contact with the person across the table and gank some dude. Like, yeah. it just encourages faster play, which inherently to me makes it more fun and more social and, and all that sort of thing. Exactly. But so, in addition to, you know, bang the dice game, you've also got games that are pretty much just social. There's hardly any game to act as an intermediary. So, a game like that would be Twistosity. Mm-hmm. You know, this comes in a little, it's actually. I think one of the few cube-shaped game boxes I've ever seen, but it's literally just a deck of tongue twisters and then a deck of twists, and you you know you play those back and forth, and that's the that's the entirety of the game. So, kind of relying on the social aspect, on the laughter that you're going to have to really generate the game and make it uh, as engaging as it is. So instead of relying on you know lots of components and lots of detailed rules and all that sort of thing just kind of giving you a baseline and trusting that you're going to have fun with uh, with the components that they provide you exactly then another game co-op game that's very light is hanabi and this one is also very small box and very social because everyone is just trying to interact with you and give you some kind of hints in as far as the game allows anyway and Really quick, really easy and to learn anyway, and a lot of fun. And probably like the only cooperative game that I've seen that's of this size that I know of. Yeah, I think and nothing else comes to mind. So if you want to play around with some friends and do a cooperative game, Hanabi is definitely the one. Right. And then kind of moving into, you know, still the social aspect, but moving into a little bit more of the strategic thinking. You know, you've got games like Coup. You've got games like the uh, One Night Ultimate series, Werewolf Vampire, all that sort of thing, that they still rely primarily on the players to do the work of creating the game. The, the mechanic is interacting with and discerning the motivations of other people, but there's a lot more to it than the social interactions that come along with a game like Hanabi or with a game like Twistosity. So you're going to be trying to just puzzle those out and also think strategically about, okay, well... If I'm a werewolf, what am I going to claim? It adds a little bit of depth to it, and it showcases a lot of the versatility of small box games. Exactly. Those kinds of social deduction games a lot of times need very little space or components. Just need a few cards, and that's it. Werewolf itself, not just the One Night Ultimate, but the, the actual werewolf series, is also very small and can even be technically converted from a regular deck of cards. Those kinds of games are great for traveling, for bringing places, and for playing with larger groups of people that you're traveling with. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're a traveler, go to a hostel, take out One Night Ultimate Werewolf, 
take out Werewolf or one of these other games and you're going to have a blast. Definitely, definitely. And then a game that straddles between like the social and then some of the lighter strategy is Gloom. And a lot of you may know this, you probably may have seen it on tabletop or something like that. And this is a really funny game about macabre imagery, like little black and white imagery. And it's all about making your characters as miserable as possible and other people's as happy as possible. So you've got cards in your hand that you can play on the actual characters. Everyone has a family of five. And you're just trying to make your people as miserable and then kill them off. <laughs> it's, there's really not more, much more to it than that. Uh, it's... it's kind of bass backwards that way you know it flips that usual you want to make the happiest most successful kingdom or galaxy or whatever on its head and you want to make the most miserable family but like jacob mentioned the art is absolutely fantastic it's it's got a really great aesthetic yeah absolutely the, the aesthetic mirrors the gameplay and mirrors the form mirrors function exactly and it's cool it also has clear cards that stack on top of each other so you keep having different things that cover one part or another in a way that's similar to the clear cards that are in mystic veil but it doesn't have the card building aspect or anything like that it's a really fun and very atmospheric halloweeny type game if you want to have a nice silly game to bring with you wherever you're going for halloween on the other hand you've got games where the strategic development and the depth and the effort required, you know, from the player scales really, really well, but the mechanics don't follow. They they remain very, very simplistic. So a game like Tides of Time, mm-hmm. that requires a lot of forethought, a lot of very careful planning in a very limited amount of time, but the core mechanic is literally just take a card, pass the rest to your opponent. Take a card, pass the rest to your opponent. That never changes. There's no permutation. Tides of Madness added the Madness counters, which is an additional element, but really, it's still all about the drafting, but the depth of strategy that they can manage to achieve with such a simple mechanic and such a simple package is, quite frankly, extremely impressive. Yeah. Another game that relies on almost the same kind of mechanic, Heat, where you draft the cards first and then play them in a certain order afterwards. This one has a little bit more of a social aspect of it, because in Heat, you also have to make sure not to play certain cards when other people play the same cards, or you have a little bit more interaction in that way. Plus, you can also play with more players than Tides of Time or Madness. And it still gives you quite a bit of that strategic thought in a very small package. Right. Previously, we had mentioned that most of the small box games tend to eschew boards just because you know they don't have the space. They go for other mechanics or uh, other core game elements like cards like dice Uh, but there are a handful that do go with the boards one of those being small star empires this is one of those relatively rare small box games that actually does rely on spatial aspects and movement across a board in order to generate the gameplay but it it manages to pull it off you know the pieces themselves they're not really any smaller than you would find in any other game maybe slightly scaled down uh, but the gameplay doesn't suffer for it at all, and the strategy remains extremely complex. And the same is true of a game like Armadora, where you have this, you know, relatively small board, maybe, you know, eight by six inches, but the the gameplay and the depth that they can achieve with just that small board and, you know, a handful of pieces for each player is really quite something. 
Yeah. And another game that relies on a spatial aspect but without a board is Kodama. Also a very small game. This one, you definitely do need a larger table to play just because it is placement on on your tree in a certain way and the placement really does matter. So you you can carry this one around with you because it's a small game, but you do need a larger play space in order to really get the most out of this game. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Kodama and Hanabi games like that and a lot of other small box games really showcase is the creativity. This is going to be, you know, poorly received by some game designers, I'm sure, but I feel like the small box format really drives creativity, almost demands creativity, just because you have so many spatial constraints and you can't fall back on a lot of the concepts and a lot of the mechanics that may be comfortable and may be familiar to you. So you end up with games like, you know, Hanabi, which is complete wacky fun, or with a game like Kodama where you've got this sort of spatial element that doesn't involve a board and doesn't involve a lot of rigmarole um, that's completely unique and unlike anything else. Yeah, and it also drove the creation of the little Paco games, uh, which are gum pack-sized games. So, you know, the old juicy fruit packs and all that, they're that size. And one of the ones that I wanted to mention was Taj, and this is the first one of these that I got. And... It's a small game about being a rug merchant in the Middle East. Whatever gets the job done. And you just, you have these cards that are like these small rectangular long cards that fit in these gum packs. And then you just place it and you're each going to move it in a certain way to try to get the colors that you want to be in the scoring area. And you keep going until a certain condition is met, until a certain number of cards have been looked at and then you score it's a very simple mechanic but it does have a lot of strategy in you know just moving them in a certain way trying not to give away what your victory conditions are and all those kind of things and it really is something that will fit in anyone's pocket you can keep it with you at all times and it's really nice because it's a decently complex game in a very tiny box even smaller than any other boxes that i've seen Right. It's it's smaller than any game I thought could possibly be. I, if you had showed me this little thing and said, hey, this is a board game, I would have said, no, that's trash. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's just a pack of gum that you picked up off the ground. Put that away. Yeah. And the cool part is that they have a whole bunch of these. They have a whole series of them that fit in these little boxes. And they range from Taj, which is a little bit more strategic, to Fly, which is a game that is all about dexterity. So you have to actually drop the fly swatter on certain flies and that kind of stuff from, you have to keep your hand above like the box at a certain height in order to drop it. So you're not like just placing it on. And it's just really cool how they, they were able to innovate and take those games and smush them into such a tiny little box. Absolutely. Innovation, I feel like, is the, the name of the game. There's also, you know, most of these, they've got some strategic element you know, versus some of the social element, but they still tend to be relatively light compared to what I think a lot of people would think of as some of the more strategically demanding games, a game like Scythe, a game like Agricola, you know, some of the staples. But there really are some heavy hitters among the small box games as well, and we'd be absolutely remiss if we didn't mention the Tiny Epic series. We've now played Tiny Epic Western, Tiny Epic Galaxies, uh, and I know there's also Tiny Epic Kingdoms as well as 
uh, there's one other one that's coming out right now, which I forget the name. The Kickstarter just ended really recently. So they're continuing the series. It's a lot of fun. Each one of these games packs as much game into the small box as possible. They really do give you the feel of playing a much larger game, something that might normally require a lot more pieces, a lot more rules to set up, but they managed to fit this into a nice small package. And Tiny Epic Galaxies is one of my favorite games, actually. I really enjoyed that. It's one that I like to introduce people with because it is deep enough that you do have some strategic thinking, but at the same time, it's easy enough in the rules that you just can start playing within 10 minutes of sitting down. So the Tiny Epic series is definitely a great one if you're looking for some portable games that really give you some strategic depth. Definitely. And by the same token, we actually, just before we recorded, we started playing Castles of Burgundy, the card game. I forget yes. what the actual you know uh, yeah. name is, but it's a, an adaptation of the classic popular game Castles of Burgundy that uses cards, you know, just cards no other mechanics uh in order to emulate those sorts of mechanics and create a new game that fits in a much smaller box and that was very successful very complex had a lot of the same sort of not engine building per se but a lot of the same strategic okay when do i need to build this versus when do i need to buy that and i need to be able to look out for what my opponent is doing and snatch things up at a time that's going to be disadvantageous to them but also not too harmful to me yeah and I, I think you know that's one of those things that's very successful agreed and then one of the other games that i wanted to mention was motainai it's also a very small box and this is a really heavy game this is a, a game that it took me about an hour to even just get through the rules and understand them so it's very heavy it's a lot of fun but just can take a long time to swallow Mm -hmm. but it's the kind of game that you wouldn't expect to be this complex when you look at the size of the box and that's actually one of the things that cards let you do because there are so many cards the box is almost filled with cards in that game and because of that it has a lot of different things that you can do a lot of different uh, mechanics that can be put in based on the cards instead of using different other components but one of your favorite games is actually a small box game. That's true. I and mean, we actually did mention it earlier in the episode. Arboretum is a fantastic game. Comes in a very small box. Strictly card-based. Deceptively complex, I think. You know, most people see, okay, it's pretty trees. You put the trees in the line. You score points. But just the sheer complexity and layers upon layers of strategy that they're able to achieve with you know, the the competing concerns of what do I want to play into my Arboretum versus what do I need to hold in my hand in order to earn the right to score that path at the end of the game. It's something that really showcases how much you can do with so little. You know, if you had given me a stack of blank cards and said, I want you to design a game that has incredible staying power and is complicated enough to challenge the strongest thinkers and is fun enough to be you know to have some friends sit down and play it for two or three hours at a table i would have just said uh no you know so it's um it's just a, a real testament to the, the strength and the versatility i think of of small games agreed 
And we mentioned this a little bit earlier with Castles of Burgundy, but some game designers actually take their larger games and compress them into these smaller versions of different games. Your favorite game, Brewcrafters, is one of these. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of different you know, styles that, that people take to approach this. The others, you know, you've got the bang the dice game, uh, Castles of Burgundy thing, where they're going to just take a lot of the same mechanics and sort of scale them down and maybe put them into a different format. And then with a game like Brewcrafters, because it is such a heavy, you know, worker placement game, there's such a lot of layers of strategy. In order to put it into a small box card-based game, there actually was a lot of sort of reimagining that had to take place. Um, you know, you've got the same core concepts of you're brewing beer and you're using ingredients to do it and you're hiring specialists and building out your brewery in order to be able to do so more effectively. But those sort of concepts at the core remain the same and then the mechanism around it is completely rebuilt. So it's interesting to take a look at sort of how established franchises convert into a smaller not necessarily more accessible but certainly more portable format yeah Catan the dice game is another one that i own that works pretty well as a small game this thing is really tiny you can fit it in almost like in your pocket pretty much a few dice and then uh, actually a notepad so you don't have the Catan board at all you actually have to do some collections and things like that there are a few modes that you can play even and you write down each time when you play, mark things down as, you know, you're getting this, you're getting that. And it's sort of a solitaire kind of game because you're not actually interacting with the other people. But at the same time, it still captures a lot of the stuff that uh, people like about Catan and puts it in a tiny, tiny package. I think that actually one other thing I wanted to mention about the Brewcrafters game and as well as the Castle of Burgundy, because these two use that kind of mechanic where the cards do multiple things. Yes. So Brewcrafters has both usually a specialist or an item or something that you can build using that card, as well as an ingredient that you can use. So those give you the versatility to actually be able to do more with the game than just you know a single-use card. Right, and Castles of Burgundy has actually you know pictorial representations of dice at the top of each of the action cards, you know, filling in for the, the dice from the base game. And then instead of making it so that you have separate cards for, okay, these are the action cards one through six, and these are the cards that you're going to put into your tableau, they pull double duty. And if you have a card in your hand that you're going to spend, that's got a number at the top. And when you play it, that has to correspond to the action number that you're going to be picking up from the field. So it's a very much a, a conservation of space and something that's driven by efficiency but also is just really great game design exactly so a lot of these games all the ones that we talked about today they're a lot of fun and we highly recommend checking all of them out absolutely and we really hope that you enjoyed this little peek into the small games and the ones that we like the ones that we think are worth it and why they are so Thank you very much for joining us on this episode and join us next week for our episode on the family games that you can play over the holidays. That's right. Should be good, especially going into the holidays. I know I have contentious games to look forward to with my parents. I've never seen them fight, 
but they definitely get a little heated when they come at each other over the game table. So that should be a lot of fun, and we'll talk to you about uh, the games that you can play with your family.